There are no people in the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Where are my people indeed? Yes, I have been kind of gone from the airways for a short period of time. But today, it's Wednesday, June 15, 2022. And this is a Wednesday show, but it's not the Wednesday show. So what the hell is going on? We're going to get to the bottom of that today. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Chuck. It is great to be back. Thank you for the welcome back. Welcome to Raging Chickens, Out to Coop Live, or is it the Wednesday show, kind of summer show? What is going on? This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken on Out to Coop Live. We talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards from across the country. Today, we're going to be doing a little kind of updating, commentary, news looking. So it's almost like a combination Out to Coop Live and our Friday Politics Roundup. Right, and that Friday Politics Roundup is where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can also check out our once or twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril, of course, is the editor-in-chief of the Bucks County Beacon, that progressive, like, just progressive publication that is lighting the county on fire. It's pretty freaking awesome. And he joins me to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you're going to find us there. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, please leave us that five-star review, like the shows, make sure you're subscribed to it. Um, that helps other people find the show. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. Become a patron at the $5, $10, $25 a Yeah, it'll be all, it's all good. Um, and you can also help out our show by heading on over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for the show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. You can join our Discord server. Info on that is in today's show, show notes. And for more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern, his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, you know, wherever you get your streams. Head on over to thericksmithshow.com for the latest across all those platforms. And you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind the podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. It's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. Subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And for all you gamers out there, The Game In is a Quakertown-based black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show. They've got everything for retro N64s, the latest consoles. Video games are all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops. And follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. That's at The Game In on Twitter. If you got a question about a game, look for something that's hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout out, as always, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. That's at Song of Day Man on Twitter. And for all you folks who just do not want to let Paul Martino and his friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community, well, Raging Chicken has teamed up with Ra uh, <laughs> 
Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing, support local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmask the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. To get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. Well, on today's show, it's kind of a little bit of a kind of a catch-up show. You know what I'm saying? Um, today's the catch-up show, the explanation show, the commentary show. Love to hear what's happening in your neck of the woods. Um, little update on what's happening here um, at Raging Chicken and in some of the news um, that has been just exploding uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, so, welcome everybody. Um, uh, first, first, the apologies have to go out on my part because um, I tried to keep up with this a little bit on Twitter to let people know what was going on, but it was just it got overwhelming. So the the end of my kids' school year, right, and the beginning of that kind of summer, the last kind of couple weeks have just been chaotic in my uh, <laughs> at, at my life, right? Um, and this is kind of how it goes. So <clears throat> ever since. I think really it started with the um, the the primary elections is that um, after the primary elections, things started just to go nuts in my life. Um, it's always I'll, I'll you know, be honest, it's always a little bit, bit odd in for me in making the transition from my kind of school year where I'm kind of, you know, got this kind of fairly set schedule into the summer where things seem to go always awry um it's like the classic example of best laid plans um i thought i had things scheduled set up i was looking forward to doing i had all these tasks set up and then things kind of went off the rails a few things happened so number one we had the return of covid um to my family um so that kind of just shook the uh, <laughs> little foundations of organization. That meant I was on kind of basically 24-7 kind of working on that. Plus, it was the end of my kid's school year. Uh, my daughter is just kind of finishing elementary school. So they had the graduation ceremonies and awards ceremonies. She won a several awards. And it was like there was that going on. Same thing happened with my son's school. There's a bunch of things that had to happen at the middle school. Um. And then on top of all of that, um, just when I thought, okay, through that kind of, you know, COVID and kids end of the school and all that, um, the, uh, I'm on this job search for my, uh, for at Kutztown, right? We're hiring in our department and um, they're hiring for adjunct positions because of course they're not gonna, they don't wanna kind of hire anybody that could be there for more than a year. Um, they want to, uh, instead of listening to us earlier in the year saying, look, we don't have enough people to cover the, the sections of classes you're asking us to teach. Um, th th they were like, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. And finally like, oh yeah, we need them. And now, so now, instead of being something that should have been done in uh, April or May, now, interviews and meetings have been pushed to this week um, and some last week. So on top of that, all right, I know this is just like, I, like you really need to hear all this, right? But here you go. Um, my daughter is playing uh, just intramural soccer over the summer too as well. And what I thought the schedule looked like um, before the season started turned out to be different when the season started. So my normal Monday night show, 
now um, conflicts with her soccer games. And I'm the soccer dad. So um, that took that out. So whatever. So I came up with a bunch of series of plans What I thought, of, okay, then I'll just do this day, right? Um, then I'll just do this day and I'll kind of look at an announcement and all this. And then that day didn't work out. And then something else came up over here. So my apologies to everybody who've been, uh, and I really appreciate people reaching out and asking me everything's okay. Um, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the messages, uh, uh, the DMs on Twitter, um, emails that folks have just uh, touched base, let me know what's kind of going on. And uh, I've been able to kind of do some of the back and forth there. So I appreciate you. Um, at least I appreciate the understanding. Um, it's been a little bit of frustrating on my part because I had a, a, a bunch of plans of who I wanted to have on the show, who I wanted to have interviewed, a couple of things. I wanted to do some uh, special daytime shows that just did not work out, did not pan out at all. Um, but hopefully we're, I'm going to have some of that going forward. So just to give you a sense of what's the next couple of weeks are going to look like, um, because of this setback in my timeline, I've had to adjust a little bit about what I'm going to do for um, the, re the kind of June into July. So normally what happens is that we have a, a bunch of shows in June, right, that takes us, uh, takes us through June. Um, I generally go on vacation with my family for kind of a week or two uh, at the end of June into July. Um, and then um, many of the kinds I'll have um, a combination of pre-recorded interviews to go that will be there while, while I'm away or rebroadcasts of old ones. So I think realistically speaking at this point, um, I'm going to say that there'll be some combination of that. You were probably, you're not going to get the three shows a week or the two shows a week. That is our, our normal schedule, um, in that kind of last week of July into, into uh, last week of June into July, we'll have some content that I'll put up there on the podcast and, um, and so on and try to touch base that way. Um, it's not perfect, but it, it is what it is. Um, there are some people that I really think we uh, want to have on the show um, that hopefully we can get them on before we, we head out for vacation. But anyways, that's a little bit of what's going on for me. I wish I had better explanations for everybody. I wish my life was a little bit less chaotic than it generally is. But, you know, here it is. Um, this is where we're at. Um, so here. The good news is, is that I got to spend kind of a bunch of time with my kids, which is fun. Um, and even if it's been a little crazy. <laughs> So how are you all doing? I hope you're all doing okay. Um, so today, mostly wanted to come on to kind of basically touch base with everybody. Um, but also, it's just, you know, want to take a, a quick peek at least at some of the stuff that's just happening in the news. I mean, this has been an, this has been an incredible couple weeks, as it seems to be, always be the case now. Um, I was struck by, just this morning, uh, here's like one of the many things that have been on my mind, um, these past things. So this is a, a tweet that came up by, uh, Sandy Medellin, uh, who I don't know, but somebody else has retweeted it. So gotta love this. Um, it's a hundred degrees in Odessa, Texas today. And the city just told it's 122,600 residents that they could be without water for the next 48 hours. That's what decades of voting in a Republican government will do for you. And that is pretty much the theme of things now, isn't it? Um, you've got 
a heat wave that is running through the middle of this country that's, you know, making its way across the country. You've got massive amounts of like unprecedented amounts of rainfall that's happening in the Pacific Northwest, right? We saw that Yellowstone had to close. Yellowstone National Park had to close because of the massive mudslides and flooding that have literally washed out like the north entrance to the park. And apparently the south entrance is now closed too as well. Um, because, you know, there's like literally um, homes falling into the floodwaters because the, the, the floodwaters are so uh, powerful. They're eroding the banks on which the homes are located and things like this. Right. This is this is the the normal part of what our summers are going to be looking like. Massive amounts of heat, increased amounts of flooding and strange weather. Um, here in the Northeast, you know, here in Pennsylvania, uh, we haven't had absolute insane weather quite yet. Uh, right now, it's just been a little strange. It's been a little cooler than it's been normally for the past few years. Um, but, you, you know, all, all bets are off. Right? It's like the kind of thing where you can't even, you don't know what to wake up and you look at the weather forecast of what's it actually going to look like. Um, just all the strange stuff happening on. And this is the reason why I wanted to lead with that is because we're seeing these kind of everyday mundane reports um, that are directly related to the climate crisis. Um, and that's happening at a time when nobody in our government is even really talking about it. Right. Um, and I get it. Right. I mean, there's all sorts of crises. There's all sorts of things going on. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's competing for our attention. Um, but, you know, the climate crisis is just not going to go away. And, it, and we're seeing, you know, record increases in. Uh, I should say record increase, but continued increases, I should say, in fossil fuel, fuel use and emissions, uh, which is only going to exacerbate things. Um, you know, we were given, you know, 10 years left, whatever, like three years ago, four years ago, almost now, four years ago now. So that's down to six, six years to kind of, uh, you know, stop burning fossil fuels. And that just, it does not look like to me at this point, it's going to happen. And I don't want to ever, ever become cynical about things. But I don't think it is cynical to say that there does not appear to be a will in the U.S. government or, for that matter, any governing bodies across the, the world to do what is necessary to combat climate change. It looks like we are on the trajectory to wait until such a horrific crisis happens before some people are going to react. And, you know, I'm um, I'm brought to uh, Kim Stanley Robinson, his most recent book. Um, why am I forgetting the name of it? I'm going to look it up here real quick. Um Oh, and now my phone. This is crazy. I'm telling you, this is this has been this has been the way my my life is working. I got my phone's ringing now. I'm gonna go here. Let me just see what we got here. Kim Stanley Robinson. Kim Stanley Robinson's book, Ministry of the Future. Yeah. 
Um, in the ministry of the future, Kim Stanley Robinson is a science fiction writing. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've probably heard me mention him before. Um, he's one of my favorite science fiction writers in the sense that he takes uh, different kind of tendencies and threads of kind of, say, contradictions or um, tendencies within our current cultures and kind of projects them into the future and then plays them out in this other space. In my mind, that's what some of the best science fiction does. Um, and he's been, it's been interesting to watch the, this, the last several books that he's done. They've moved they, the, the, the time of his books, right? Where they take, or the time in which they take place has moved closer and closer to the present. And the most recent book, The Ministry of the Future, actually take place in, uh, or takes place in the near future, right? Where um, a massive crisis happens. And it, the book opens basically with this crisis where, you know, the heat in India has reached such a level that um, people's bodies cannot stay cool. Right. I mean, there is a, you know, um, there is the, kind of the, the bulb, what are they called? The bulb temperature, a wet bulb temperature or something like this, where basically when the heat and humidity reach a particular point, your body can no longer um, release its heat. Right. And you end up basically as horrible as this sounds, but you end up cooking. Right. Um, you think that it's a, one of the most, supposed to be one of the most horrific ways to die. And that situation is what and there's millions of people that are that that die in this heat wave in India in the book. And that is the trajectory that we're on. And it was not until that took place and a series of other crises, some that were created, um, that were um, provoked, other ones that were a consequence of um, the climate itself, that people chose to act. I really recommend people reading that book because I think it's a very sober look at um, the kind of specific things that would need to happen in order to get us to a, uh, a climate stable future. Um, it's also uh, as horrific as it is, is it start, you know, the, the, lots of people die in this book. Um, as a result of climate um, in um, and it's the future is not rosy by any stretch of the imagination, but it is, at least on my reading of it, a, a pretty hopeful book because it shows and the writing in that book. And yes, I, I get it. It's fiction, but it lays out that, look, addressing these things is really this matter of will. It's a matter of will. It's the matter of doing, and we have the tools to accomplish these things. Um, the fear, of course, as has been the fear all throughout, you know, the struggles to uh, kind of address climate change as the crisis that it is, that you know people are going to wait until the last minute until we've lost billions and millions of people. And so I saw that pop up in my Twitter feed this morning, and it's like, like, well, there you go. There you go. What does it mean to be without water for 48 hours in 100 degree heat in a deregulated um, elect electricity environment, right? Electrical grid environment um, that has collapsed in the past due to extreme weather. So what happens when the electrical grid crashes because of extreme heat? There is no water for people. What happens to them? What happens to folks who are sensitive? Because you can't. You can't stay inside to stay cool because it's going to get roasting. 
you go outside, what if there's no breeze? What happens to those folks and how many people are going to die for our government and our society's kind of un inability to address these kind of long range crises? And look, this is, um, you know, it's kind of like a theme of things going on in our lives right now. Right. I mean, we have a crisis of governance um, as we see happening in the general's January 6 uh, public hearings that have been airing um, starting last week. We have the crisis of the climate. We have the crisis of reemergent white nationalism. Right. Um, right now we have this kind of inflation and there's threats that the Fed is basically going to do what it did back in, you know, the early 80s, right? Is just basically put the screws in, raise those interest rates and let every like lots of folks at the bottom pay the price. Right? So uh, we shall see gun crisis, right? Supposedly, like I, I just I didn't look right before the show started here, but um I mean Let's see. Let's see what it says. Mm. Yep, no, no big new news. So we know that there's been a uh, bipartisan group of senators announces agreement on gun control. All right. Okay. Great that you have an agreement, but let's see the legislation. Right. Um, you know, there are some good things in this. It's not even a bill yet. Right. It's just an agreement. It's a framework. Right. And I don't trust these things. I'm sorry. I wish I could be hopeful on this, but I don't trust this as far as I can throw it. Chuck Schubert's out there last night. Oh, yeah, we should be able. We think we'd have a bill by the end of the week and vote on it before we all go on break at the end of the week. Next week, I guess the end of next week. We'll see. We'll see. Mitch McConnell comes out to show it. Oh, I can get behind this. Okay, we'll see. Uh, you know, there's enough. There's going to be enough pushback on this that I would not be surprised if like we start to see Republicans start coming out and say like, "Oh, we agreed on this thing, but then we got to the details. We find that the Democrats tried to slide in some blah 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 blah, and we get no agreement once again." So whatever, inch in you know some real concrete things that may happen right the closing of the boyfriend uh loophole basically because you know right right now is like you know if a if a person if a if a man right um i guess or a woman but you know but if it's been traditionally a man who becomes an who's a domestic abuser like you know who's who's uh, abusive to his wife if you're married and you abuse your wife right and then you find that you cannot buy a weapon anymore not buy a gun but if you're not married and your boyfriend beat you up, that boyfriend can go ahead and buy a gun, buy lots of them, right? And uh, so that's been the boyfriend loophole, and supposedly they're going to try to close that, which would be great. That's a really concrete thing, right? I mean, that's important. Also, they're basically um, going to eliminate the, the um, or the crackdown on straw purchasing, 
right? So in other words, you know, being able to someone say, okay, I can't buy a gun because I'm not allowed to, but I'm going to go and have this other person go in and buy a gun, right, um, for me or buy maybe lots of guns and then give them to me. And then if that per- that's against the law, but if that person is uh, caught, that straw purchaser, it's basically like a paperwork violation, right? It's basically like, you know, it's a misdemeanor, I think, if like what goes on. This would make it a federal crime to be a straw purchaser. That tightens the screws a little bit on that, right? Um, again, a good thing. Supposedly, there's going to be lots of cash made available for states to have mental health things. Or, or oh, no, I'm sorry. That's money to make a lot for states to do, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, I was going to say code red laws, but that's not it. But basically, red flag laws, right? Basically saying, you know, implement these strategies. Not a mandate, right? But states can if they want to, which means red states won't and blue states will, right? But, okay, it's, I'll accept that. And there's supposed to be a bunch of money for mental health. What that is actually going to translate into, supposedly the Republicans really want that. What that's actually going to mean, we don't know. The devils are going to be in the details, once again. So, <clears throat> I'm holding out hope, right? But I'm also a realist on this one. So, we've got all those crises, right? Crisis of climate, crisis of governance, crisis of the rising white nationalism, crisis of guns, crisis of, you know, every other thing, the economy, um, there's a lot going on. And all that, of course, is taking place right at the moment that we're expected any moment now, any day now, for the Supreme Court to cement that next crisis, right? Which is basically the stripping away of the abortion rights of women and basically effectively turning women into second-class citizens because they will no longer have control of their own bodies. That's about to happen. It's also, I don't know if you saw these Supreme Court rulings, right? They're basically stripping away your right to counsel under the Constitution. And of course, no, no, they didn't strip it away. They didn't take it away. They just made it basically so that it's ineffective. So you can say, oh, yeah, you got, you have the right, but you just can't execute that right. Right? There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. Hmm. So what do we do? What do we do? That's the big question. Um, I did want to take a look, take a little bit of a deep, deeper dive in a couple things that um, came with that. One, I want to give a huge shout out to um, everybody over at the Bucks County Beacon, right? And to Cyril for leading the charge on this and the whole staff of the Bucks County Beacon. It really is turning into the uh, the go-to place. And if you have not already checked out um, Mindy Iser's new article she is a new writer that she is um going to be writing for the beacon um she's got a new piece uh say basically said the future of public education in pennsylvania rests on the governor's race 
Um, it's a spectacular article. I followed her work for a while, right? Uh, followed her on Twitter for a while because she's a, she's a great activist out of Philly, fantastic writer. Um, she's done great reporting, labor reporting, and a, around a bunch of other issues. Um, she is somebody I hope that we can be able to get on the show. This is someone I hope to see if we can, at the very least, have a pre-record um, that we can air at our at our regular time. Um, or um, even do it, hopefully, ideally, kind of do it live. We'll be able to have folks um, kind of chime in and ask questions. I hope to have her on the show because um, her stuff is great. So I want to give you a flavor. I'm not going to read the entire article, one, in part because it's a substantial piece of writing. Um, number two, because I want you to get over there and read it, and I want you to kind of like the article, and I want you to give feedback um, to Minnie Iser and to Cyril about, about the awesome work that you're doing. So this is the lead-up, and this is why. This is why we need more voices like this. This is the lead to her article. Pennsylvania is gearing up for its most consequential political battle yet. Republican Doug Mastriano, who is a Christian nationalist, likely QAnon supporter, and who bust people to Washington, D.C. for the January 6th rally, turned insurrection, will face Democrat Josh Shapiro in November's gubernatorial election. After many years of deep political polarization, thanks in part to former President Donald Trump and the COVID-19 pandemic, no issue will be off the table when these two go head to head. But right now, few, few political questions hold as much weight as ones related to public education, which are not just about schooling in and of itself, but also about how taxpayer, do taxpayer dollars are spent or how schools are funded or defunded, as well as ideological questions around race, gender, sexuality, and of course, children and their safety. The future of public education in Pennsylvania rests on the governor's race. And in Bucks County, we've already seen a taste of what's to come, with scuffles around diversity programs, pronouns and LGBTQ pride flags, the school closures and mask mandates. And these are not just small fights happening in individual school districts or even spontaneous concerns brought up by random parents. Rich donors such as Jeffrey Yass have thrown millions of dollars into electing candidates who support, quote, school choice or hundreds of thousands of dollars into flipping seats on school boards. And with national groups like Moms for Liberty setting the political agenda, Bucks County parents are able to plug it, plug right in to get to work. Sylvie Haldapur, a Central Bucks parent, told the Bucks County Beacon, quote, it's very clear there's an agenda, right? Mastriano has been public about his opposition to critical race theory and trans children playing on gender-affirming sports teams, along with mask mandates and any COVID-19 school closures. He's also a proponent of school choice and wants to reevaluate how the state funds public education. Needless to say, whatever happens in November's elections will have a monumental effect on Pennsylvania's public school system. That's just her opening, right? And I'll tell you why I wanted to read you that section and why I want to encourage you to get over there and read this piece. This is what it means to be able to kind of frame an issue, right? This is why it's important to have independent cutting and, right, progressive media. Because, you know, Cyril and I talked a little bit about this the last time that he was on the show. Is that on the one hand, like you need, it is absolutely essential to have like your straight reporting, right? Your straight journalism, your solid journalism, investigative work, and so on, that are going out to that to uncover what happened, right? And to hold power accountable. But we also need, right? And this is, this is a failing in the way that we conceive of journalism in this country. But we also need the framework, right? The narrative, right? The, the, the understanding of what this means and to put it into context. 
without the context, the facts fly away. Right? That's part of the way our kind of cognitive psychology works, right? If we don't have a place to put it, and why these facts matter, right, and how they build or connect with a particular narrative or particular understanding of the world, then they're just these facts that we remember or don't remember, right? Creating that sense of context and story is absolutely critical. And the fact that Mindy Iser leads her article by giving us a clear sense of who Doug Mastriano is, what his agenda is, and then there's the stakes and then gets into public education. The rest of the article really digs into this, um, what she's saying about how public education is quite at stake. And, she, you know, she's dead on. Right. So kudos to Mindy Iser. Kudos to all the folks at the Bucks County Beacon. And kudos to Cyril's, uh, Cyril for to continuing to grow this um, publication, the Bucks County Beacon, into really a, a, quite a force. Right. So um, hats off. So that's one piece you want to check out today. Another thing that got on my radar, and this goes th uh, special thanks to Starry-Eyed, um, one of the uh, kind of Raging Chicken's great uh, Twitter warriors out there. Um, she uh, sent on to me this piece. Now, you people, uh, you people, Sidibe, um I was going to say, you may have heard <laughs> about this already. So I was going to say you or say people may have heard. Anyways, um, there's been, I've heard about this before, but I've never seen any really, you know, writing about it or background. It's really hard to find information about it online. You know, just whatever. There is a publisher that is called Antelope Hill Publishing. All right. And they are, they specialize in translating historical works by Nazis, fascists, and ultranationalists, and original works by contemporary white nationalists, neo-fascists, and others on the far right. Well, Right. The reason why that matters for us right here is because uh, we find out now. Right. Um, for the longest time, people said this was based in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. But it turns out that um, the. Um, 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 hate Watch. Right. Or, or, or what is it? The Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm sorry. I'm just drawing a blank there for a second. Southern Poverty Law Center is their hate watch thing. Put out a, a, a publication on this basically exposing where these folks are. Right. And uh, what they're all about. Um, and it turns out they're based in Green Lane, Pennsylvania, which is like literally a stone's throw um, from from here in Bucks County. Right. It is right down the road. And what they basically document is what kind of um, Antelope Hill has done. And it also goes to kind of reinforcing the reason why that Bucks County, right, and the surrounding counties, Berks County and things like this, are um, seem to be such a, a, in a, a, one of the hot points in these this kind of resurgence of militia groups, of white nationalism, and so on. So... Uh, let me read a little bit of this, the beginning of this for you, too. I'll, try, I'll put the links in today's show notes, too, as well. So it says, Hate Watch has identified three previously anonymous principles in the publishing company Antelope Hill Publishing, which specializes in translating historical works by Nazis, fascists, and ultranationalists, and original works by contemporary white nationalists, neo-fascists, and others on the far right. Hate Watch identified these individuals by uh, using a combination of public records, podcast recordings, commercial data services, and a range of other documents and online materials. Hate Watch's research and analysis reveal that Vincent Cucciara, 24, and Sarah Elizabeth Cucciara, 25, 
a married couple living in Green Lane, Pennsylvania, are two of the individuals behind Antelope Hill. The pair have appeared as pseudonyms and spokespersons for the company on numerous uh, far-right web, uh, far-right podcasts, with Sarah uh, Cucciara billed under aliases as the company's editor-in-chief since mid-2021. Hate Watch's investigation indicates that a third person, Dimitri Antolovich Lotsik, 25, has played a public role in the company's operations. Lotsik appears to have first relocated to Pennsylvania's Lehigh Valley in 2021, and in late April, he bought a house near Harleysville, Pennsylvania, with Vincent Cucciara assisting as the buyer's agent. Since 2020, Antelope Hill has profited from hate by translating historical works by 20th century Nazis and fascists, offering a publishing platform to contemporary white power propagandists and shipping books around the world using selling platforms, including Amazon. This year, they achieved wider provenance when one of their authors, uh, the pseudonymous Raw Egg Nationalist, appeared in a preview for an upcoming Tucker Carlson documentary on masculinity, which is set to air on Fox Nation in June. The Kuchiaras and Lotsik have, long, have a long shared history as far-right activists, stretching back to their time together as students at Penn State University in the late 2010s. The publishing operation is one aspect of their ongoing participation in the white power movement. Specifically, Hate Watch has found considerable evidence of close cooperation between Antelope Hill principles and a network of far-right actors associated with the white supremacist National Justice Party, the NJP, and the Right Stuff TRS podcast network. All right. And it goes on, obviously, to go into the background, talks about the property, um, talks about their influence and who they're translating. Um, this has been an absolute kind of uh, critical piece of work. So I will put that at the end of the at the end of the show. I'll make sure these are in the show notes too as well. So if people do want to check it out, they can. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of really important work to uncover this. And you know, I, I was listening to this other, um, I was listening to the show. Um, a couple days ago, and I'm and I'm trying to getting them all. They're all blending together at this point. Um, but it was once again brought back to this this notion: what, what do you do with these kind of white supremacists and white nationalists? And uh, it's pretty clear that just ignoring them doesn't work, right? Ignoring them provides them the space to which to metastasize. And that's it, we're, it, we're already in that point, right? I mean, I don't know if you want to c- carry out the, the metaphor, but, you know, are we in stage three cancer or stage four cancer? I don't know. But they have metastasized here in Bucks County, that's for sure. And we're seeing it, you know, in our school boards. We're seeing it in, uh, you know, in, in, in our communities. We're seeing it in the kind of like, you know, like, let's go Brandon nonsense that's everywhere. Um there's the coded and there's the overt that are out there. Um, one of the things, let me see if I can give you this one. Just here's like a, just another little update. I don't know if it's going to show up. Yeah, so um, so there was a Penbridge school board meeting um, what this week. And uh, Kim Bedillion, right, uh, once again, who is the head of the Penridge GOP, uh, she went after the Wellness Academy, 
right, um, at the meeting. Um, uh, the Wellness Academy, it's basically just ways of being, you know, the wellness stuff, whatever. But this is part, basically, of this kind of social-emotional learning um, attacks that are coming next. We saw the DEI attacks, the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the attacks on that and the shutting down of that program in the Penridge School District. We saw the attacks uh, around uh, uh, critical race theory and the anti-masking and the COVID conspiracies, um, the barely closeted anti-Semitism that's been showing up at some Buck County school, uh, school board meetings. And now we're seeing this next round um, going after the social emotional learning um, and so on. As I've said before, the, the thing that we can absolutely count on is the fact that what is, uh, what is coming in the fall are going to be attacks on teachers unions um, in um, Bucks County schools. I think uh, probably Central Bucks School District is going to be um, the first to feel the effects of those. So that's where we're going, folks. Um, that's where we're going. Uh, if you got anything, if things then kind of going on in your world, uh, feel free to throw that in chat. Um, it's good to see people jump jump back in again. Um, what else did I want to say? Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Sorry, I'm a little off. It's just been such a it's just been such a time, folks. It's just been such a time. So uh, yeah, a couple of the things that are happening in the news, and then um, we'll go over here. Oh yeah, just check this out from last night's election. So Jim Marchant, um, who was, you know, he got the big, uh, he, he's basically running for uh, Secretary of State in Nevada, um, and he got the the Trump nod. Uh, he's a proponent of the big lie. He's uh, one who's like all you know, big conspiracy dude. Well, uh, looks like he had just won the GO, GO well, at least CNN is projecting that he wins the GOP primary for Nevada Secretary of State. So therefore, um, if assuming that he goes on to win that as the statewide election, um, that means that you'll have uh, an election subverter um, with their hands on the machinery of the elections in Nevada. There, that's just a little tidbit from today. Um, Washington Post reports, this gets me back to where I was saying here, um, they've got a great article from the Capitol Weather Gang, but extreme weather is tormenting virtually every U.S. Uh, region and it's far from over. And they basically said, you know, here it is, on nearly every corner of the lower 48 is dealing with some sort of wild weather with fires, floods, tornadoes, and punishing heat wave all wreaking havoc. A staggering 120 million Americans are covering uh, covered by alerts for extreme heat on Tuesday, it's from yesterday while half a million customers in the Great Lakes and Ohio Valley remain in the dark after violent thunderstorms knocked out power Monday night. On Monday, the extreme weather was difficult to escape. Record heat swelled from Nebraska to South Carolina. Chicago dealt with a hurricane-force winds and probable tornadoes. Yellowstone National Park was blocked off to visitors because of the roads were made impassable by flooding, and fires raged in the desert southwest. The seemingly disjointed atmospheric turmoil is all tied together with meteorologists referred to as a ring of fire weather pattern. A stifling heat dome is parked over the Tennessee Valley, bringing exceptional heat and humidity, while severe thunderstorms erupt along its northern fringe. In the dome's wake, dry air is parched in the southwestern landscape, creating a tinderbox conditions for fast-spreading fires, and so it goes. Right? I don't know if you saw this. Just to add, just, a, I don't know, like another, what, flavor to the fascism, I guess. Um, Rick Perry, you remember Rick Perry, 
right? Former Texas governor, you know, worked for Trump as his, what? His interior guy? I forget what he did for him exactly. But apparently, so he's got this West Texas hunting camp, right? And currently it's called, I don't even know what it's currently called. It's like, it's got some random name. But um, <laughs> it used to be called the N-word head. The N-word head. And apparently in the area, it's still referred to that by locals. How about that? Great story there. <laughs> Great story there. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, lots of stuff that's going on. So anyways, listen, I, I don't want to drag in things on today. I just want to kind of really get back in the saddle a little bit, um, um, tell you a little bit of what was going on. Apologies for my uh, for my absence for a bit. Um, we will be back on Friday for uh, the Friday Politics Roundup. Um, we'll be a little bit more kind of orderly and kind of together there on Friday. Um, but there it is. I wish everybody really a great day. And I really hope that, um, that you're, um, finding some time for yourselves and things like this too, as well. Uh, I know that I've been really, really conscious about wanting to make sure I'm spending time with my kids this summer and, um, really try to think about what matters, um, and how I can contribute, right. Um, moving forward without, you know, burning out. And I think a lot of people are feeling that these days. So, um, so let's do it. Anyways, that's just some of the kind of things floating around in my head for the day, I guess. Anyways, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Um, thank you all uh, for your continued support of this program. Thank you for continued support of Raging Chicken. Um, I look forward to uh, what we're going to be able to do together um, in the days, the weeks, and month ahead. Um, I look forward to um, joining you out there um, kind of on the picket lines, joining you out there in the protests this summer, which will undoubtedly come, uh, especially as we wait for the, uh, you know, that pretty devastating shoe to drop when it comes to the, um, the Supreme Court decisions rolling back Roe v. Wade um, and a range of other really, really significant, significant um, decisions. So anyways. I'm going to cut it off for now before I just completely, like, become fried. Um, it's been a long day already, believe it or not. Uh, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder, curator and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, we hope to see you this Friday for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we try to kind of get back to some kind of normal schedule and um, look forward to uh, what we can do from there. So without further ado, we're out of here, everybody. We'll see you soon. Remember, like the show. Share it. You can become a patron, support the show by going to patreon.com slash rc press today. See ya! Come.